Good morning. It's a sad message today. Haha. <laughs> the update, or uh, update, it is an update. It's the upside of sadness. We're going through the Beatitudes, Matthew 5. You can go online, listen to the podcast, catch up with us. But we find ourselves today at verse 4. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Let's close in prayer. <laughs> Some of you are like, I'm coming back to this church next week. That is awesome. <laughs> I just got started. This is what we want to talk about today. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Such a simple verse, a paradox that in your natural mind sounds ridiculous, ludicrous. Blessed are they that mourn? Now, I don't know about you. You're sitting around saying, I don't want to mourn. I don't want to be sad. And Jesus just says, he flips that up, side up. He goes, downside up, here it is. I want you to be blessed. And to be blessed, you have to be broken. To be blessed, you have to be contrite. To be blessed, you have to be broken over the things that break me. I don't know anybody really that just says, hey, I want to mourn. That, I want that to be my experience. I don't want to experience sadness. Uh, usually we'd go, when I experience pain, I want it to go away as soon as possible. Hold your hand up if that's what you want. <laughs> and the rest of you are liars. Okay, here's the deal. When we get sad... We want to get distracted. And in our world, so many times we'll go, you're sad, you just need a good movie. So you go, throw a movie in. You, you watch a movie, like, okay. Some people go, no, I'm just going to go pop a pill. And if I pop a pill, it'll help me work through my grief, through my sadness. And then some people go, no, I know what I do. When I get sad... I go and I eat a gallon of ice cream and I'm really happy. You thought that was pretty funny, did you, Charles? But you know, we, we have different things we do. And here's what I want to talk about today. We're going to talk about grief. We're going to talk about sadness and Jesus says he blesses that. Every person in this room has experienced, and every once in a while I run into somebody and go, I haven't really experienced sadness. I go, that is incredible. I'm so thankful for you. But most of us have experienced sadness in seasons of life, and we will experience sadness again and again and again. Now, just to be real brief, my story starts with a lot of sadness in 1967 when I'm just a little elementary kid running around Dyreta when family members start dying. Uncle, grandfather, a tragic car accident that took my mom and my grandfather, and I'm the only survivor that walked away I didn't walk away, but I'm the only one that came away from that accident in 1968. So as a young person, I experienced sadness, and I knew what it was. And then I go all the way up to high school, losing my grandparents and my dad and my mom, and, and then and church members and friends and the like, losing them. I understand sadness, and so do you. You say, well, why do you tell us this? Because Jesus talks about sadness, and he talks about he blesses the broken hearts. But see, a mantra for today is, Blessed are those who laugh their way through life. But that's not what Jesus said. We can do a fake laugh. We can try to uh, ignore what's really going on and, and push our feelings and stuff them aside, but that never gets us anywhere. John Stott, a great writer, says, It's one thing to be spiritually poor and acknowledge it. It's another to grieve and to mourn over it. Confession is one thing. 
Contrition is another. To mourn. And what I think is sometimes we haven't lost our ability to mourn over personal loss, we know. But when it comes to mourning over sin issues and the brokenness of our country or the brokenness of our home or the brokenness in some area of our life, sometimes we just kind of blow it off and we don't do very well. And mourning is that response of seeing ourselves as we really are. That we're basically, if you go back to the last couple of lessons I've been teaching you, all this will make more sense in context. But despair. The world's filled with despair. And what I've learned about despair is despair always runs away from Jesus. And some of you are in despair. You will be in despair, and I understand that. But grief, let me say this. Write this in your notes. Grief. Grief always runs toward the Messiah. Grief always runs toward Christ. Because the last time I checked, Jesus is the only one that can really handle and understand all my brokenness and shame and tears and hurting and grief, and he can help. And the church said, amen. If you're broken, if you're hurting, maybe you can run to him to be comforted. And this morning, you're looking out here like, man, you've got a lot of blanks for us. See, I've been kind of spoiling you the last several weeks. And just look here at eight truths to remember. Repentance is always a part of healing in life and in grief, and repentance produces joy, the first blank. Repentance just produces joy in your life and in mine. True repentance means that I come with brokenness of heart, of mind, contrite, tears possibly, and I respond to the love of Christ. Here in in the scriptures, they had national humiliation as the nation of Israel And you read in different passages in the Word of God how they were broken and Ezra and other prophets and how they would weep and they would mourn over the sin of the people, over the sin of the nation. And I think, man, that's what we need for America because we got it pretty messed up. But then look at the second one. When we mourn our sin, we can enjoy our salvation more. You're like, oh, man, I want to enjoy something. I mean, all of us love to enjoy stuff. And I want you to enjoy the fullness of Christ, the abundant life that he came to give. And so he says, blessed are they that mourn, for they'll be comforted. And, and in this thing, how do we enjoy it more? How do we, I think it's when we, we draw deep into the resources of Christ. And we go, Jesus, I want you to be my life. Lord, I'm broken. I'm grieving over an issue. Maybe it's a, a marriage that went south. Maybe it's a kid that is rebellious and they're a Luke 15 prodigal and you're broken and you're mourning over your son and daughter to come back to Jesus or to come home. Or maybe you haven't talked to a kid or a relative or somebody and y'all been estranged for years. And I ask you to consider mourning and being broken over them and continue to cry out to the Lord and say, God, help me. But we're blessed when we're comforted. And then in that, I think forgiveness tends to follow suit sometimes. The third thing, we never have comfort without mourning. Now listen to this. That that sounds like such a simplistic statement. You cannot be comforted unless you're broken. And you're not comforted without mourning. And I always encourage people in grief. I've learned this experiential through my life. I've learned it through seminary. I've definitely learned it pastorally. You need to grieve. When you don't grieve, you do not get healthy. Some people, I'm a man, and I don't cry, and I want to go. And you're, are there any kids in here? Okay. 
Uh, okay, let me uh, rephrase what I was going to say. Thank you for raising your hand. Uh, you're, you're, you're dumb. Okay, y'all, y'all probably felt what I was going to say. We grieve. I've been studying everything I can on Sermon on the Mount. And then I went to an old favorite that I've read his books, listened to many sermons, and I love him. He's kind of America's pastor, Dr. Rick Warren. You might know in the past year or so, him and Kay lost their son, Matthew, took his life. So as I was looking and studying for today, I ran across some stuff, and it was so rich. Matter of fact, it, I will probably share some of that the rest of my ministry. And he talked about, and he said this one statement, my heart broke as a fellow pastor, but as a dad. He said, Matthew's been gone for a year. I grieve every day. I cry every morning when I get up. I miss my son. And I thought, man. And now I'm telling you, here's what we say a lot of times when people grieve. I've heard it. I'm a pastor. You'll get over it. (laughs) You will not. You need to get through it. Write that down. I'm not asking you to get over your loss because that's forever, forever going to be indebted. I think about Miss Susie back there, the new hero to our students. And all the kids said, yeah, they love Miss Susan. And she had a track, amen, listen to that. And she had a tragic loss when she lost her husband a few years ago. I'm not going to say, hey, Susan, get over it. She's getting through it. And now she's mentoring and she's being a part of these young kids' life. I was at Moe's a few weeks ago, my wife and I, and we had two teenage girls run up to us. And they went, we're doing life with Miss Susan. We're in Bible study. And they were ecstatic. And I went, who? And they started telling, and I just went, man, that's awesome. That's somebody getting through something. They're not stuck. See, sometimes we get stuck in our feelings. You ever had your feelings stuck? You ever had your feelings hurt? Yeah, and when you get stuck in your feelings, it's unhealthy. You have to keep holding on to Jesus, have to keep walking through it. And I'm giving this message, and somebody's going to say, I am starring this one. I'm putting this one in my phone. I'm going to listen to this one over and over because you are going to have grief because there's a season to mourn. There's a season to laugh. But if I, only, if I never talk to you about mourning, I'm a horrible pastor. So I want you to learn how to mourn and call on the Holy Spirit. In the Greek, the word is parakolite coming alongside the Holy Spirit as our comforter, and he comes alongside us, and he does an excellent job. But there is mourning caused by personal loss. I understand that. And so many of you have had that. This past week, my heart, Tim and I are talking and praying through some things at our church, and, and one of the things is we're, we're praying about how does our church respond to Louisiana right now? I was talking to a couple organizations, one church and then another church and a, and a Dulham house, and we talked about that we've done labor and given money and done stuff, and they're sending trucks over to Louisiana. And the whole thing is, they told me that they said, we need generators. So we're praying about, hey, we might see if we can free up some dollars here through mission spending to help generators for people that are in need. I promise you, if we're in Montgomery and we have a storm like that or we have a devastation, do y'all want the body of Christ to come to Montgomery? You do. So it's just an opportunity for us to pray. So be praying about it. Lord, what can I do? I mean, the media is doing a good job covering this. You know, sometimes you grieve the death of a parent or a child or a friend or personal rejection. King David, he uh, definitely understood. He grieved deeply when his rebellious son, Absalom, was killed in battle. He says, oh, my son, Absalom, if I'd only died in your place, oh, Absalom, my son, my son. I don't hope anybody was saying, hey, get over it. 
King David. You know, get over it. You, you get through this. I, I just, I'm, I'm just moved by that. The psalmist says, weeping may endure for the night, but you've heard that scripture, have you? But joy comes in the morning. It just does. You're saying, I went to bed sad, I woke up sad. I do find there's strength in the light, but I, it might be a season that the weeping is intense and heavy, but joy does come through our relationship with Christ. Remember when we went through Philippians together? Listen to Psalms 30, verse 5 and 11. You have turned for me, you have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth. You've clothed me with gladness. Jeremiah. Guys, I love Jeremiah, but let me tell you about Jeremiah. He is known as the weeping prophet. <laughs> I don't want to be going. Pastor Keith, weeping pastor. That's probably not the title I want. Jeremiah preached for so long, decades, and didn't have converts. And I'm thinking, depressing. But he was God's man that spoke to the nation as he speaks to our hearts this morning. I'm just thinking, Lord, help us to touch into who you are. And godly grief will always lead us to repentance. And we'll look at that scripture in a minute because God is quick about repentance and about joys. Jesus, he says, he is a man acquainted with sorrows and with grief. And, and the Ephesians says, do not grieve the Spirit of God. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. You know, our God mourns. Our God cries. I, I, think, he, I think he weeps today about the state of the nations that are far from Christ. And nations like ours that have been great, that are turning from our Judeo-Christian values and ethics. It's, it's really scary. But look at number four. We are a people that don't grieve without hope. For we are, pity us if we don't have hope. But we do have hope in the resurrection of Christ. And in that we find strength. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. We don't want you to be ignorant about believers who have died. We don't want you to grieve like the people who have no hope. The people that don't believe in God, that don't believe in Christ... They have nothing really to base or no foundation, but those of us that have chosen to receive, to trust in the goodness of God, in the riches of Christ, we have hope eternal. Amen. I mean, I get excited about that church. When I stand and do funerals, those that have trusted Christ, they are awesome. I've been in hospital rooms holding hands of people when they go to meet the Savior, and when they had hope, it is peaceful. But then I've been in the room with people that were calloused and hard-hearted. And they usually weren't my church folk, but they were your families, and you sent me to see them. And their hearts were calloused and hard toward the things of Christ. And I've looked in their eyes of horror and terror without hope. I choose the living hope of the living Christ. And that's where I pray we all are today, that I would never scare anybody unto Christ. But repentance is the way to the Lord Jesus. Look at the fifth one. God draws near to those who cry. I love that one. God draws near to those who cry. Psalm 34, 18. I want you to look on the screen. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. If you're crushed today, 
because of life's circumstances or your poor choices. I got good news. Jesus wants to draw near to you today. Will you cry out to him? Jesus loves broken people. He's a man, he's a God that's acquainted with sorrows when he cried out in the Gethsemane, in the Garden of Gethsemane. He, he knows, he knows, he knows. In Hebrews, he says, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. You're not alone. On my prayer walks in the mornings, I'm reminded of that great thought so many times. I am not alone even when I feel alone. You're saying, how are you alone? You're a pastor. You influence hundreds of people. Yeah. But I'm alone a lot too. And leadership can be lonely a lot of times. And that's where I lean in. I press in as I invite you to press into your God. You're saying, I'm pressing into my mate. That's good, but press into Jesus. Jesus will never fail you. And the church said, this world will disappoint you. People will disappoint you all the time. Oh, my goodness. I'm a royal disappointment to so many. But Jesus isn't. So he, he's with us. And then I heard this thought. I just want you to write down. Tears are the cleansing river of the soul. When you cry, it cleanses. It refreshes your soul. So when I go to people over the death or the loss of their bank account, the loss of their job, the loss of something in their life that is important to them, and they're crying. I believe healing is beginning. It's one of the stages of grief. I, I get more concerned about people that don't cry, and I go, how is so-so doing? Oh, they're fine, pastor. They haven't cried. They're stoic. They're just, ah. Oh, I'm worried because the crash is going to come. You're saying, you're calling us to be a people of tears. I am, because Jesus does. And we'll look why in a minute, because Jesus gives us a great example. Look at 6. God uses suffering and sorrow to draw us to himself. He just uses suffering and sorrow. Remember, I, I tell you, God wants to conform us. He wants to squeeze us. He wants to mold us into the image of Jesus. And part of that process is to suffer in this world, to suffer in this life, is to have sorrow that you might be comforted by God himself. I don't want people to have sorrow. I love it when y'all just walk around happy, healthy, holy, joyful. Everything's going your way. I just wish everybody came in every week and go, I have no needs. Everything is good. Man, isn't life wonderful? <laughs> That's not the story I hear every week. Some people are, some people aren't. You go in and out of seasons. It's just it's the way it is, suffering. I remember what my friend Mike Colin told me one time. I've never forgotten this. Mike Colin was Captain Crunch of the Miami Dolphins, winning this football player all time on the world champion Miami Dolphins. Mike was on top of what was on top when he was at Auburn University, when he played football for Miami, et cetera, made a lot of money. He had some business decisions that crashed one time, and he lost almost his whole fortune. And Mike came to me one day, and he made this statement, and I've never forgotten it. Keith, you'll never know if Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. And he was bigger than me. His shoulders were about that wide. And I looked at him. I said, yes, sir. But he meant it. And he had tears running down his cheek. And then I saw God prosper him and Nancy. And I saw him go back to a place in the world that looked good again. But what I really admired was the, the character of his life, the strength of his testimony and how he depended on the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And when I run across a quote like this, I go, man, i got to share that. Seven, we grow faster in hard times than we do in good times. Now, uh, you're saying, I ain't going to that church. That, that brother's asking us to have hard times, and we say we grow. I want you to have good times and plenty. But let's face it, when have you grown most? No, here we go. Donna and I have grown most when we've had the hardest times in life. And it's the same for you. Do I have a witness? Hard times make you just count the cost. Hard times make you jump in and say if your faith's really real or not. And how genuine and how it tests out and that comfort is coming. Just right beside that, Romans 5 would be a great verse. Okay, look at uh, number 7. I love this. Or that is, we grow faster in hard times. 8, our pain helps us minister to others. See, we don't waste our pain. Don't waste your pain, church. Blessed are they that mourn, for they should be comforted. When we have pain, God gives us pain for his glory. God allows pain to enter our life that we might become like him, that we might reflect him to a world that needs to see him. And sometimes we get a front row seat to somebody we love, and we see them in pain. Okay, here it is. I'm a grandfather. I'm a father. I would rather have all the pain on me than my kids or my wife have. I just, the way I am. And you're probably that way. Like, I, I want to be inflicted. I don't want them to suffer. If they suffer, man, it, ugh. But in our pain, look, look at this verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. It's going to come on the screen. And just make sure you get it. He who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort this uh, in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. You read through Corinthians and he just used comfort, comforted, comfort, comfort, comfort. The same comfort that God gives you. You then can pass it on through your pain to comfort others because you have experientially embraced it and then you share it. I know of no one better to comfort somebody that's already been down that road and they made it and they were triumphant. I look at her, my friend Sandy, I just saw her. Her husband used to stand up here on this stage with her and they sang on the praise team. And that was one valiant champion for Jesus. And if you knew him, say amen. Man, he loved Christ. And I watched, he had muscles on top of muscles. We went to Guatemala together, and he'd eat a bag of vitamins for breakfast. Am I lying, Sandy? I said, you going to eat all, you going to drink, are you going to swallow them? He goes, I am. And the guy, he couldn't drive. God knows, I rededicated my life five times with him in Guatemala. He scared me to death. <laughs> horrible driver i'm sorry he was sandy he goes how was that pastor i said well as soon as i change myself i'm gonna be all right that's horrible but i watched that big strong champion for christ and i watched what cancer did to his body but through it all he maintained his testimony for jesus christ and here's what i love i have people to this day that walk up to me going hey when I die, I want you to preach one just like you did for Keith Kilgore. And I got an answer. Then you live just like him, and I'll preach just like I did his. But I ain't going to lie. <laughs> Some of you are going, golly, I hope you ain't doing my funeral then. Okay. These, these funerals you go to, and they talk about, like, who are they talking about? I knew the guy. He was a goat. You know you think that. Just go ahead and be honest. I mean, we're not, well, they're going to try to preach them into heaven. You ain't going to preach nobody into heaven. If you ain't made it right with Jesus on this side, it's too late then, folks. <laughs> that was free. Okay, here we go. 
Comfort is coming through the person of Christ. Listen to Isaiah 25, 8. Just write the verse down. The sovereign Lord will wipe away tears from all faces. He will remove the disgrace of his people from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. Psalm chapter 10, verse 14. But you, O God, do see trouble and grief. You consider it to take it in hand. The victim commits himself to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. I love that. I still remember, I didn't know that verse then, but I still remember after my dad died, I took a walk. And I said, God, I'm so alone. The passing of a great man that I love is past, and I'm sad. I'm alone. And I remember God spoke in my spirit. He said, you are not alone. I am your heavenly Father, and I will be with you all the days of your life. I picked my head back up, I looked to heaven, and I almost said, yes, sir, and I walked home. And I've never gotten over it. I got, y'all, y'all listening, good for y'all, got through it, got through it. So, some of you today have regret, you have remorse, I pray you'd have repentance. Repentance is the only thing that's going to change you. In Matthew 26, 75, it says, he wept bitterly. Godly, 2 Corinthians 7.10, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation, that leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. Lord, help us to have biblical repentance and brokenness and mourning and crying before the king this morning, that we look to you. David committed adultery, committed murder. What a, what a sinner he was. And it wasn't until he saw his sins as an affront to Almighty God that God began to restore and heal David. And God will do the same for us. You have blown it. You're a candidate for grace and mercy this morning. Against you, and only you, have I sinned, O Lord. I need you this morning, Lord. I want to draw near to you. Ezra was praying. He was weeping. This, you know, there's this myth out there. God expects me to be happy all the time. I want to know where that came from. Because, see, I talked through the book of Ecclesiastes here a few years ago. And I want to give you Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1 and 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1 and 4. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. There's a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. And are you not thankful like me that God gives seasons of life? Right now, we're coming close to the end of one of the seasons I love. It's called summer. I'm looking at my calendar. I'm going, August 21st. Oh, man, summer, beach, lake, water time is coming to an end. But, but, but. Football's coming. Fall. No more sweat when I work out in the yard. Hallelujah. You're going, you're a fool. And after that, then it's Christmas. And that doesn't last because how could that last? You'd be broke forever. Or anyway. And then it comes Easter. And, you know, you just you love the seasons of life. Here's what I want to encourage you this morning. Blessed are you and me when we grieve. We grieve. Don't fake it. Face it. 
I love when Rick Warren said that. Don't fake it. Face it. Face your grief. Hey, this is one of those messages you need to just kind of stick back and you need to remember because we're going we're gonna to come through some grief times and we're going to go, oh man, I remember God's word. God says, God comforts. Grief is essential to our health. It really is. You can repress it. You can suppress it. Or you can express it. And I encourage you to express your grief to your heavenly father. I love grief support groups. I love the body of Christ. I'm making a case for small groups right now. There's no greater place to get care and love and comfort and strength and joy and teaching than to be in a small group and you go through life together. And Tiffany, to you and Jamie, and I know y'all are kind of our heroes around here. We had a great video with y'all. But y'all are fixing to go through another chapter in your life. And I know one thing, your small group is going to be there and we're going to walk through that together. I want that for everybody in this room. You're like, can I be in your small group? Well, yeah, I mean, when we get to about 50, we're going to kick you out, okay? But, uh, and we'll just multiply other groups. But yeah, I want you to, I want you to do life with other people. Because you're, you're going to grieve, and then sometimes we just need to grieve over our sin. Here we go. This week, went to see uh, Bethany, new baby, ecstatic joy. Awesome, I love that. But I wasn't there earlier. I was there for the birth of my two, and then my grandkids came. And when mama... When woman, wife is having baby, it is not a time of static joy. But they know that that pain is going to bring glory and joy. I remember my little five foot three wife when she grabbed me by the throat. Yeah. She was going natural with all this stuff. I said, whatever you want, baby. And then whenever things kind of got to a level and she says, I want those drugs and I want them right now and grab me right here. I ran out in the hall and said, hey, get in here. I don't know who she is, but she wants help. And she got it. Smart woman she is. Yeah, you're laughing. All you women are like, oh, man, praise the Lord. And then some of you are like, oh, I, you know, I'm just super woman. Like, man, that is awesome. Uh, I've said this. I'll say it again. If us men had babies, it would be a small universe. I had a kidney stone, and I cried like a baby, and I acted like a wuss and everything else. I'm like, man, I'm done. And that thing was about, you know, minuscule. When it threw me in the floor three times, I went, Jesus, I'm coming to see you right now. <laughs> anyway, just thought I'd give that thought to you. I know you feel better. I feel much better now. Listen to Psalm 32.3 from the New Contemporary Version. When I kept things to myself, I felt weak deep inside. I moaned all day long. You can mourn or you can moan. I don't encourage you to moan and whine and complain. I encourage you to mourn and be broken and cry to the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 39, 2, I was silent and I held my peace to no avail. My distress grew only worse. I know God draws close to us when we draw close to him. I know that God grieves with us. Isaiah 53 and other verses Jesus is a man of sorrows. But the one that we all know, and it's my favorite, is John chapter 11. Good friend of Jesus. His name's Lazarus. And Jesus wept, weeps. He's wept at the, death, at the death of his friend, Lazarus, and he calls him back, as we know. But that verse just says, Jesus wept. Jesus felt all the pain of his friend, and he felt the pain of his sisters. 
And that just tells me and you today, we're in good company, man, when we weave our Savior. The, the Bible says he collects every tear that we shed. He knows our pain. So whatever pain you're in today, I know Jesus wants to hear, and I, want, I know he wants to comfort. And I know we, the Bible says he wept over a lost city. He wept over the city of Jerusalem. He was moved by the plight of multitudes. God gives you a church family for support. I just want you to know, church, we've got to get this right. You've got a church. You need each other. You need a small group. And then I want to move to the very bottom, or I'll never get there. Three things to do when in pain. Team's going to come on this. Three things to do when you're in pain. Are you ready? Now, you need to do these because these are, these are critical to help you grow. These are critical to help you get uh, uh, through the pain. But as we look at that, because mourning is inevitable, we're, we're going to mourn, we're, we're going to have hard times, there's going to be bitterness in our soul. And Jesus says, or I think the scripture tells us this, realize, number one, realize that God is with me. I am not alone. My God is for me. What can separate me from the love of Christ? Absolutely nothing. Romans 8, read it. We're reading it in our small group right now. Number two, release the hurt to Jesus. Let go of the past and quit rehearsing the past. We have an accuser of the brethren, which is named Satan, and he loves to call it my past and your past, and you need to release the past this morning in Jesus' name. Amen? Some of you are like, but I want to hold on to the past. I'm just so familiar. That's just dumb, dumb, dumb. Okay, let go of it. Realize that God's with you, not alone. Realize the hurt. Third, rely on the power of God. Is a verse going to come up behind that? I think it's from, from uh, Romans 15, 13. Look at this. Look at this verse. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in your faith, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, your whole life and outlook may be radiant with hope. That's my prayer this morning, that the God of hope is going to draw near and comfort us. And look at the last verse on the screen. God comforts you and me in all our troubles so that we then in return can, can comfort others with the same comfort that we've received from God Almighty himself. Lord, you're good. You're a comforter. Did you know that's his name? The Holy Spirit? He's a comforter. Embrace him this morning. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this amazing time of text and scripture and that you hurt with the broken. I thank you for this song that Chris is about to introduce. And I pray that it would rule and reign in our hearts in these days to come that we sing it back to you. Minister to us the good news of Jesus. For the scripture says one day you'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning, no crying, nor pain. For the old orders, old order of things has passed away. The new has come. Bring the new this morning, Lord Jesus. If you want to talk about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm in the back of the room on this side. Come over there and find me. I'd love to talk to you about this Jesus.